Welcome to the Beer Run. I'm Ryan Urban. And I'm Carl Cooley. On this episode, we head down to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, and meet Jim Stern of Brewster Brothers Brewery. Plus, we review Line and Kugel's anniversary lager, celebrating 150 years. And I talk with one of the founders of Beer Cap Maps. It's as cool as a catnap. We also speak with the guys behind another upstart brewery, Agonic Brewing, coming soon to our own backyard. All that and more here on The Beer Run from DCRC Radio. Welcome to the Beer Run. I'm Ryan, your host, here with Carl in the studio. Yep, and we're on episode number eight of the Beer Run. The big eight. Ocho. Ocho surveys uh, run. <laughs> anyway, uh, as you can tell, we're a little rusty. We've been on an extended break. Yeah, it's my fault. I have uh, not been producing much as your producer, and I apologize. But we've had many great beers and many great experiences in the interim. Yeah, and we'll talk about some of those, and uh, we'll we'll try to keep it rolling a little faster. Uh, everyone we talk to is still awesome when it comes to beer, mm-hmm. so including enjoy. Including us. Including us. And especially you, our listener. Listeners. If you, <laughs> more than one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, jumping back into it, we've had lots of beer since our last episode, but here's one that, whether you consider it craft or not, it's worth talking about. It's Leinenkugel's 150th anniversary beer. That's pretty cool. 150 years, and they've done something really interesting for it. They've collaborated with Hofbrauhaus in Munich, Bavaria, Germany? Exactly. I kind of was like, Bavaria? Is that Bavaria? I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, I mean, it their, is. their colors it's, it's are very Germany, are the Bavarian though. colors. Yes, um, which obviously has a great reputation, super legit. They're uh, trading um, German malts and American hops and brewing a beer in Germany and a brewing a beer here in Chippewa Falls. And now we all get to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Let's do it. Let's try it. Alrighty. So what do we got here? It is a Bavarian lager or what do you call it? Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, it could be a Pilsner. It could be a Hellas. Who knows? Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it out and figure it out. Ah, there we go. Oh, man, that was a good snap. The oh. customary uh, Lion and Kugel's twist-offs. Pouring. Yeah. It's a beautiful amber color. Indeed it is. My glass is... Um, not even half full. <laughs> not even half full. it's a full liter. Uh, it's a Hofbrau House glass from the Hofbrau House. We'll get into that later. Yes, uh, Ryan picked this up for me. He lugged it all around Europe just because I said, hey, could you pick me up one of those things? And so yeah, he carried it around for two weeks, and I am I extremely did. grateful. You better be. So yeah, we uh, got a nice Bavarian, are we going to call it a Marzen style? Uh, sure, it it looks like a Marzen. It's mm-hmm. the color, the right color. Well, it tastes like a Marzen. Let's find out. Cheers. Cheers. Hmm. Oh, it smells super earthy. So I'm told they're using mosaic hops. Okay. That would probably explain some of the By earthiness. By earthy, I think I just mean weird. It smells <laughs> weird. I swear I clean these glasses. It just smells like that kind of funky um, lager smell. Yeah, it's like that lager smell, but the the tropicalness of the mosaic aromas is it's kind of weird combo. What are you tasting in the malt? I mean, it's pretty sweet, but it's not too forward. Crisp. It's got like a... A bite to it. It's got a little bite to it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm having a tough time putting my finger on this one. So, I mean, what would you call the style? I mean, they're 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 definitely using German malts, and but they're using American hops, and they're following the Reinheitsgebots, supposedly. I'm gonna assume they're probably using their house yeast. Lining Kugels has a house yeast. I'm kind of gonna assume they do. I don't. Yeah, I've heard that Lining Kugels brews all their beers with the same yeast. But that's kind of interesting to think about. So how would, I mean, how would you replicate the same yeast an ocean apart? Well, maybe they sent some over. Who knows? All I know is that they are brewing and packaging it into kegs and bottles in Chippewa Falls. But then in Munich, in Germany, they're bottling it in kegs. 
and they are sending some of the kegs over here to the U.S., and I'm assuming they're send, sending some of the U.S. kegs over to Germany. Right. And so you can find some of those kegs around here. And full disclosure, I have had this beer before uh, of the German Cheater. variety. <laughs> of the German variety. I, I didn't do a side-by-side comparison because they only had the German beer on tap. So I'm kind of thinking I probably would have liked that one better. No offense to the lineys, but uh, maybe it's just a whole, like, oh, this is real German beer kind of effect was well, taking a foot there. As one who has had beer from both breweries, I am more impressed by Hofbrauhaus. I was only there one day, but it was awesome. <laughs> I got a full liter of a beautiful Hellas served me by a beautiful Fräulein in a Durndal, mm. just like in the <laughs> in the ads. And uh, I talked to uh, some Australian people about Donald Trump, so it was an interesting uh, Australians visit. or Austrians? Australians. The okay. Hofbrau House is like uh, it's the state-run brewery, and it's just sort of like it's like a welcome center. It seemed like because there was just like everybody, all bunch of tourists there. Just sharing a bunch of big long tables together. It's a big beer hall. It's a big beer. It's giant. It's enormous. Um, but yeah, I just sat down wherever there was room, started talking with these Australian people, and it was a unique experience. Huh. It was. <laughs> I imagine a room that like the size of a football field with just a bunch of tables in it, or maybe a basketball court. I don't know. There were like different wings that were the size of football fields. Wow. So I was just in one of them. They must go through so much beer. So much. But uh, yeah, you you got this mug for me, and then you it weighs like <laughs> three pounds. No, my arm was getting tired drinking that <laughs> Hellas. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um, you just gotta drink faster, right? Oh man! But just thinking about it now, it's just like, oh gosh, I wish I was back there. Mm-hmm. You went all over the place. Czech Republic as well. Czech Republic's where I started. Switzerland. Switzerland. Uh, and then, yeah. uh, yep, and then on to Norway. And the whole impetus of this trip was a bunch of ski, cross-country ski races. I was doing some cross-country ski races and just, well, the other thing was let's drink a bunch of great beer and <laughs> just see the sights, uh, my girlfriend and I. You know, I drank mostly like a bunch of lagers, mostly Pilsners starting out. And then I I started getting to Switzerland and it was sort of like I burned out on them a little bit. And I like love lagers. I uh-huh. do. But I was just like, I kind of miss hops. And I need flavor. Right. So I, I remember I ended up, um, we were at a Greek restaurant, I guess, in Zurich. I had a beer, an IPA from Santorini Brewery in Greece called Crazy Donkey. <laughs> and it was like, uh, I don't know, I think there are probably like a bunch of New Zealand hops in it, but it was like, I remember hops now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kind I of remember awesome. this aroma and fruity, fruity flavor. flavor. Yeah. All right, that's pretty cool. And so, so have have you posted the uh, the list of beers you've tried on the blog yet? The beer run blog. I could. I haven't. You should. Okay, I'll post a list of all the beers I had. Because because inquiring minds want to know. They want to know. Well, I'll tell you. Oh, let me tell you about <laughs> <laughs> the beers I had. Well, I won't tell you about all of them, but. You know, basically, the the American style of beer is catching on in Europe, I found out. Which is the IPA? Yeah, the, I mean, there's a lot of things the like... hop-heavy IPA or... Right, like American pale ale, they, okay. would, they would use that term a lot. How do they compare to actual APAs? They're pretty close. I mean, I don't think they're as skilled as it. You know, the many, many breweries here... Yeah. Are they that, getting into it? And butter, or are but, they like... Mm, we're European and we have brewing history. We don't need to use interesting flavors because we have tradition. No, I I think that there is a rise the same way the U.S. has seen a rise of progressive craft brewing. Um, And, I mean, basically, it seems to me the U.S. is the leader in brewing right now. But we use standard gallons. We don't use liters. What what, what are you trying to (laughs) say? Stupid pun. <laughs> um, I okay, I get it. Good one, Carl. So, do you think like uh, the established breweries like Hofbrauhaus House are going to be jumping on the whole American style of beer bandwagon, or will it be small upstarts who are like, "Hey, we want to get in this and try something new"? I think it's going to be upstarts. I think places like Hofbrauhaus, House, Augustiner, Palaner, Pilsner, Kell, all that. What they do, they've been doing for literally hundreds of years and they do it so well honestly like i i had their beer it was 
awesome. I wouldn't like start making double IPAs if I was Hofbrauhaus. Um, but I think you know it's just like there's there's room for new things, kind of like in the U.S. in the '80s and '90s and whatever. So you see these breweries like uh, Gruner Loca and Oslo and uh, the Bad Flash in Prague. That's a cool name. It is a cool name. It was a cool place too. Um, but it's like, yeah, let's uh, let's make something else. And I, they're doing a pretty good job at it too. I mean, I have to say, like they're you know typical American staples that we that we have that they were brewing like the stouts and the porters and the pale ales and all that were. Pretty good, pretty close. I had a milk stout. I remember that was like awesome, like one of the best milk stouts I've had in a long time. Yeah, in the Czech Republic. Um, but it seems like Europe is sort of like five, ten years behind America in the beer scene. Like, yeah, the hoppy beers—they're like coming on. Uh, some sours a little bit too, but you don't see like the super fruity beers and the hazy IPAs that are kind of the big thing here right now. I'm guessing they just <laughs> really wouldn't know what to do with those. <laughs> Probably not. It, it, it's, yeah, quite the antithesis of what they do there. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, though, the best beer I had in Europe was Pilsner Urkel, Tankov style, which means they kind of keep it in mass in a big tank, and it's super fresh, and it's unpasteurized, unfiltered. And it's just so much more flavorful than what we get imported here. And it always is fresh from yeah, the source. Yeah, it was impressive. It was just like a full body, like great floral aroma, like so much flavor. I mean, they that brewery like invented the Pilsner, and they've perfected it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. <clears throat> well, my arm is getting tired of lifting this uh, heavy <laughs> off brow house. You got to drink more mug. beer, Carl. You got to build up that strength. I guess I do. You know, the, the whole... Uh, 12-ounce curl, as it were. To More like the 12-kilo curl. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but I think it's time to take a break and uh, move on to our next segment. Uh, we've got our interview with Jim Stern from Brewster Brothers Brewing Company and the Chippewa River Distiller in Chippewa Falls. Coming up next here on The Beer Run. From DCRC Radio. Ryan Urban from the Beer Run here with uh, my co-host Carl Cooley, and we are in the brewery of the Chippewa River Distillery and Brewster Brothers Brewing Company with Jim Stern. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing well. How Good. about you guys? Great. I appreciate being on. Great brewery we got here. We're sitting inside the brew house, surrounded by just so much beautiful stainless steel and this huge American flag and these oak barrels. I'm loving it. With a beer in hand. With a beer in hand. We gotta get a cheers out of the way. Cheers, Jim. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Yeah, so we've kind of described the place a little bit, but uh, Jim, why don't you tell us about, you know, wh- where, where we are exactly, what this is, what you do here. You're in the Chip uh, Rover Story, Bristol Brothers Brewing Company. We uh, opened our doors to the tap room uh, about a, just under a year ago, in March, mid-March is when we opened up. Uh, before that, we had purchased a couple of buildings in Chippewa Falls to, uh, to build this. One was a video rental and tanning salon. Uh, the building we're sitting in here was a former gym, former tool rental location. It was kind of its past life just before that. Um, the building that's got the tap room in it was, original, was a Raymond Distributing in the okay. 50s. So we've kind of taken it back to where it started. Raymond Distributing. In the 50s as a Miller and Michelob distributor. Okay. Um, So what we've done is we've taken, we took the buildings, we added on the still room, we added on the loading dock, and we tied the buildings together. Um, It was a complete gut of both buildings, and we built out from there to uh, build the tap room, the distilling area, and uh, the brew house here. So you're the brewmaster. Who else is the business along with you? So my business partner is Kurt Schneider. Kurt and I have known each other for 25 plus years. 
we met when we were both working for Cray Research here in Chippewa Falls. Um, we've continued a friendship after that. Uh, doing many things, including hunting. Um, spend a fair amount of time in the falls hunting, both here in uh, Wisconsin and out west, and sometimes in Alaska. <laughs> so, what about uh, what about brewing? How did you pick this up? Uh, brewing was a was a hobby that I started oh, 15 years ago, in that range. Um, just brewing at home. We eventually built a uh, a semi-automated three-vessel system that we've developed all of our standard recipes on. Put that together. We use that in my garage uh, at home. Develop recipes as we were building here. Lots of taste testing. Lots of sampling. Lots of trying about what do we like. How do we want to adjust the beers to uh, you know achieve the flavors that we want to achieve. From where you are now, been a success as far as I can tell. Great beer. Uh, this is a Belgian, by the way. Belgian blonde. Belgian blonde. So, how many different versions or uh, trial and errors do you go through before you get to this? final product it's variable variable um, some beers like the rumble bridge took just it was two or three tries uh, to put that together other beers like the rad I bet there was 15 of them um, <laughs> so it just kind of depends upon what we were trying what we want to adjust for flavors uh, some of these seasonals that we've done uh, we have a, a German trained uh, brewer working for us and he's been very good about putting some of these seasons together, including this Belgian Blonde. We talk about what do we want the, the style to be, what do we want the color, what do we want the hops to be, what do we want to look like, and... Um, he does the rest? He puts them together from there, and then we, we collaborate on the recipe and adjust as, as we see fit, and then uh, we go ahead and brew it. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of itching just to talk about your lineup. Mm -hmm. um, from what I can tell, it's, it's a lot of the mainstays of the craft beer industry, you've got your IPA, your pale, your stout. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to move into maybe a little bit more of the more trendy stuff, the sours, the crazy IPAs? We started this out and decided we wanted to brew beers that we enjoy drinking. Um, we've got friends that we've, we've brought along with us that we've introduced to craft beer. We're, we're taking them through the gamut of beers as well. So it was kind of the set of beers that we like to drink. We designed them around how we, the ones we like to drink. Um, so that's how we started with that set of beers. We will do some more interesting beers, some kind of one-offs, as we get started with our uh, our development brew system. We've got a one-barrel development brew, development brew system. Um, you can see behind us, we've got a one-barrel uh, fermenters sitting here, and those are to uh, go ahead and ferment those uh, test beers. That's we'll that serve uh, those in the tap room. That's that little setup you got out front, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sitting so, right by the door. So people can see uh, their beer as it's made. Yes. You want to run through your lineup a little bit? Uh, maybe some of your best sellers and uh, maybe the next seasonal you got coming up or anything like that? Our next seasonal coming up is going to be a Marzen that we'll bring out in March. Um, and then the seasonal after that will be our Hefeweizen that we'll okay. bring back again. That was, that was really our first seasonal that we started with. It was a huge hit all summer right. long. Um, so we're going to bring that back and really the recipe as is. It can actually be kind of hard to find a good Hefeweizen for whatever reason. You know, we got all this great German brewing heritage in Wisconsin, but you don't find a Hefeweizen at, you know, most breweries, I'd like to say. Yeah. We, we looked at it and brought in German malts, German uh, malted uh, grains, mm -hmm. and then we also uh, looked for a that European yeast to go ahead and ferment really a classic Hefeweizen. It makes me long for spring and summer a little bit. <laughs> It'll be here soon, hopefully. <laughs> so what's your best seller though? The best seller is a Rumble, Rumble Bridge. It uh, is our a light, easy drinking cream ale. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of people that stop in and just ask for what's your lightest beer. And that's what we serve them and we've had really good reception with that beer. Cream ale was a style that I used to think was not for me at all, but you know, I had a couple good ones recently, including um, the Rumble Bridge, and I'm starting to come around on them. Um, they're a little bit more than just a you know, rookie sipper. You, know, <laughs> you, can, you can create a nice, flavorful beer that's easy drinking. Yeah, which I think is a great goal. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also curious about um, you know, just the idea of, of building a brewery with your a longtime buddy. You know, it sounds like kind of a dream come true, but I suppose there were maybe some, you know, difficulties to overcome along the way. You want to talk about, you know, doing that together? With a major project, if you're going to open 
really any small business, you have to do it with somebody that you trust, that you understand what their work ethic is, you understand how they're going to approach just even the most basic things. Mm -hmm. um, so once you have that understanding, it gives you the ability to work through kind of the whole development project, um, especially if you have some styles where they're very kind of task oriented. Um, our backgrounds are very similar. We're both mechanical engineers by background. Uh, both have a background in manufacturing and automation. So we have a little we have a little bit of a similar style in how we manage projects, which then allows us to go ahead as we put the project plan together, the steps that we have to achieve to split up the tasks on who needs to do what as we work through that. Now there's always issues that you run into as far as you know it's taking longer to get a permit or it's taking longer to get some parts coming in or you know what is the really the design of the equipment look like. Um, and it's just a step-by-step -step process to work through those to uh, make sure you can complete the task and get ready for the next phase of the mm -hmm. project. Do you remember how it all got started? Was there like a, a moment or a conversation where it was like, hey, let's open a brewery or anything like that? You know, that's kind of an interesting question. It's got a little bit of a story to it. That's We've, what we're here for. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, Kurt, Kurt has owned some small businesses before in the past. We'd had conversations about doing something together but never really had anything there to, that we wanted to do until I mentioned it's almost three years ago now to when we had the conversation out west while hunting <laughs> drinking beer imagine that uh, we were probably even drinking a little whiskey or maybe a little tequila at the time as well with our hunting buddies and the conversation really came around to as we look at the marketplace out there distilling Mm -hmm. Seems like it could be a real growth opportunity. Right. So it really started out with let's go build a distillery. Well, once you kind of make that have that conversation, go well. Let's go ahead and explore this. You know, we spent a year, just over a year, putting together a business plan, understanding the equipment, understanding the steps you had to do to build it, to run it, to maintain it. And as we started looking at that, it became kind of obvious that there's some synergies in the equipment between brewing and distilling. As we looked at that, we said, you know, let's do both. It gives us an opportunity to ramp both parts of this business. When we looked at where to do it, in Wisconsin, we can do on-off sale out of our tap room for both spirits and beer. Um, we had looked a little bit in Minnesota. You can't do both. You can only, you know, serve your beer. There's breweries and distilleries, combinations there, but they can't serve both, both drinks. So for us, we're serving cocktails here. We're serving beer. It gives them a unique experience here in northern Wisconsin. So that just led us into the, the path of let's do both. And then uh, from there, it was putting the business plan together to understand how to do that. Uh, we looked at our equipment to find the equipment that you know, we wanted. You know, you looked around and commented on the amount of stainless here. We did go off and design our own equipment as well. The, uh, the industry that's out there of, of brewing and distilling is a really cool group of people. Mm -hmm. uh, very helpful, very wanting people to succeed. Um, so we get a lot of good input, a lot of good help all the way along. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us to go ahead and design our own equipment, bring it in, set it up, uh, create our own automation around this. It's kind of what our backgrounds are. So um, allows us really good process control is what we want to achieve. Sounds really old school. I mean, <clears throat> quite literally building everything from the ground up. I mean, that's how businesses used to be started. You had to do everything yourself, you know, and that's, that's quite impressive. Um, how did you decide hey, let's go choose Leidenkugel's backyard to set up a brewery. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting question that we've been asked uh, multiple times. We're asked on tours. We're just asked by, you know, really anybody we talk with. Kurt grew up right here in Chippewa Falls. It's where he's from. Mm -hmm. I grew up just an hour south of here in uh, Elmo, Wisconsin, down the Mississippi River. I still have a brother that lives in the area. My wife went to school in Eau Claire and spent 12 years living in this area. It's where I, when I, where I lived when I worked for Cray Research. So as we looked about where to do this, you know, we kind of took out Minnesota right away from not being able to do both. And we started looking across, you know, this part of Wisconsin. Chippewa Falls was great. They were very welcoming. Um, the chamber really looked at this as an opportunity to create something else within Chippewa Falls. Um, they were helpful in helping find the building. From there, the city council was, was really good to work with. We had to do a little bit of rezoning on the two lots here. They were really good to work with. So it was a really neat location from mm -hmm. that standpoint. We're right here on the river. We get to see the river. 
we are Chippewa River Distillery after all, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, but then even with Landon Kogels, that's really been a good experience as well. Uh, Dick called us up before we ever started and said, let's get together up at my place and let's have a beer. Now getting together with Dick is always a challenge with his travel schedule. He's gone a lot. But we got together on a Monday night, sat down and we talked and really Dick's comment was, we're here, we're in Chippewa Falls together, we bring unique things to, to, the, to the city. How do we increase tourism for Chippewa Falls? He's very pro Chippewa Falls, mm -hmm. you know, for everything that's been done, offered uh, any kind of help or, you know, that we needed to us as well. So it's been a good experience. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good to hear that the neighborly community relationship you're, you're talking about. And, I, you know, you, you do offer a very unique uh, experience here, unique products. Um, even compared to Linings, you're both brewers. But your beers are different, I think, mm -hmm. and obviously you do the, the distilling too. We should talk about the spirits a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I know you've done quite a variety uh, so far. You want to talk a little bit about distilling and, and what you're making and what you're planning to do in the future? When we look at distilling, we're using local ingredients all sourced right here in the Chippewa Valley. The corn, the wheat, the rye that we use is all growing right here. Um, within just a few miles of the brewery uh, from both a, a beer standpoint and from a distilling standpoint the spent grains the spent wash is all fed to animals locally in the in the Chippewa Valley so it's really a, a grain to glass back to you know back to back to the farming community mm -hmm. um, which is a kind of an environment we wanted to create uh, for the products that we're creating here uh, we're creating two kinds of vodka um, we've got a grain based one uh, our Trumis vodka, and then we do our Chippewa River Distillery vodka, which is 100% wheat. A little smoother, a little sweeter mouthfeel to mm -hmm. that. Um, gives you a nice kind of a, a unique uh, vodka. Uh, from there, we're also doing gin and rum. Uh, we create a rum that's blackstrap molasses based, so it's not Bacardi Light. It has a nice aroma, a nice smell to that. In a lot of ways, very similar to like a Caribbean rum, with a little heavier flavor to it. The gin is just is a very basic three botanical uh, London dry style gin that has gotten uh, some really good responses to it. Uh, from there, we are putting whiskey in barrels, whiskey that's being aged as as bourbon. Uh, we also have some rye in, in some barrels as well. Um, that we have pulled out and we have been serving in the tap room. Uh, it's had some really good uh, results with that and some really good reviews so far by people that have drank that. We're also going ahead and uh, flavoring some whiskey. So we flavored cinnamon, honey, and blackberry flavors. So we've got those that we serve as well in Capron. Now I seem to recall there was something unique about your brewing, your, your process, some like unmalted grains or something? So all of our distilling is, is unmalted grains. Mm -hmm. uh, we're buying those right off the field within the Chippewa Valley. We bring them in, mix them with the water, and, and they're hammer milled mix them with the water and to do the starch conversion process and then uh, we ferment that out to create our wash for distilling. So what's that like going up to a, do you just go right up to the farmer and go like, hey I want to make some whiskey out of your grains, you know, can I? We have enough kind of friends in the area that understand what we're doing and have offered to grow for us. Mm -hmm. So it's been, uh, it's been a pretty cool experience with them. Have you, uh, you know, returned with them with a bottle like, hey you grew this and this is they have stopped in and they have had some some drinks and yes we've uh, that's got to be a unique experience. The process. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, just the variety is, is kind of amazing to me. I mean, especially if you came here and you wanted to try a little bit of everything, you'd <laughs> you'd have a pretty good time, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know the one thing that's been unique when we look at at the tap room here, we want to create a little bit of a unique experience, and we've got our beers that we serve. Um, we want to introduce people to craft beer give them kind of a wide variety of things to choose from. We also really look at, at bringing craft cocktails to the Chippewa Valley. And with the, the various spirits has allowed us to create you know, some unique spirits that have, have got some really good reviews. Great. Um, do you prefer distilling or brewing or are they just totally different things? I don't know if I have a preference for doing one or the other. Both are very enjoyable. To create recipes, you're, you're creating something that will be drank. Um, so they have some unique aspects to them. 
but they're both very enjoyable to work on, to create recipes, to create the product. And you know, it, it's always fun to see people's reaction when they, they drink it and they like it and they enjoy it. And I mean, you've obviously mentioned doing home brewing for a while, but how long have you been doing distilling? We fired a still up for the first time in March of last year. Oh wow, diving head first. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. So what, tends, what do you say is more popular, the beer or the spirits? I would say in the tap room we serve about equal amounts of beer and cocktails. And it, it's always fun to watch people as first they'll have a beer and then they'll have a cocktail, or they'll have a, a cocktail and then they'll have a beer, so they like to try both. Mm -hmm. um, we had a, a, a local beer tour came through here a couple weeks ago. It was kind of interesting with the reactions, there was 47 people on the tour. And there was a set of people, I think there was three or four people within there that, that don't drink beer. They were there because they were enjoying time with their family and with their friends, but with the cocktails, they had something that they could drink. <laughs> and it was, it was, so it was kind of neat for them to, to have something that they could enjoy as well. Yeah. Um, it's always kind of fun as you, as you start the day out. Uh, that Bloody Mary can be the first drink that we serve and it can be the last drink that we serve as well throughout the day. It goes well with the beer too. So. Yeah, well, yes for it sure. Does. One of the big things uh, in the brewing industry is barrel aging. Do you have plans to take those old barrels, put some beer in them, and yes. do that whole thing? Yes, definitely. You, we definitely have to have that kind of a program. We have both. When we walked up here, you, you took a couple of pictures of some barrels behind you. Mm -hmm. uh, that has uh, bourbon. Or those are bourbon barrels, and they have uh, stout and porter in them. You know, for those beer drinkers out there, when they see your beers on the shelves they're going to see people on the bottles, different people. You know, what's the backstory to that, to that branding? With our, our standard beers, we, we really tried to create something that was a little personalized, um, personalized to us, personalized to the Chippewa Valley. Um, they're not all people. If you look at the Rumble Bridge, oh. the, the Rumble Bridge is really named after the Rumble Bridge in uh, the park here in Chippewa Falls, um, a little bit of local history. Um, if you look at even the spirits, Trumi's, mm -hmm. uh, vodka, uh, Trumi is Kurt's grandpa. He owned a bar four blocks to the east of where we're sitting here right now. He owned that from late 50s through the 60s into the early 70s. What was it called? Uh, Trumi's. Trumi's. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> so it's really right where the chamber building is now, the new chamber building is where its location was at. And we have a number of people that come in and go, hey, I was in there, I knew Trumi, I'd stopped in and had a beer there before. So it was really kind of creating something that is unique to us. You know, we even look at with the wood tick is really my wife's you know, grandpa. Um, the backstory really goes back to the logging camps and with him and yes, the story that's on there is true with 11 kids and you know, what he did at the logging camps. So just trying to create something that's unique and personalized and really, we're here in the Chippewa Valley. This is where we're creating this. This is uh, what we're gonna offer up and hopefully people enjoy our beer and our spirits. I, I think it's definitely distinct and, and fitting for the area. Behind us, we have a table full of uh, glasses. What's going on back there? Some tasting, some taste comparison today of, mm -hmm. of batches of beer. Okay. Now, I'm not a brewer, but I feel like that would be my favorite part of the job. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite part of the job? The favorite part of the job, you know, is I think is really the creation part. Oh yeah. You know, being able to to envision something, whether it's kind of how how it should look within the facility, or even you know the beer, or the spirit. What's the flavor that we want to achieve, and then being able to go out and create that, and and then enjoy seeing people enjoy it. Well, among all your beers, do you have a particular favorite? That really depends upon the day. What uh, kind of a, like a true beer lover. What kind of a flavor am I looking for? And you know, even through the years before I was doing this, my beer always my my beer fridge always had a set of unique beers in it of a wide variety, just so I could get that flavor of whatever I felt like at that point in time. Well, that about covers it for me, Carl. Did you have any other questions or? You know, I'm going to think of something uh, right when I walk out, but you know what, I think that does it for me too. Any parting thoughts? I appreciate you guys stopping in. I enjoy the conversation when you've been in before and, and even tonight. And, you know, I look forward to you guys stopping back as well. And thank you very much. I appreciate yeah, you coming we, in. We will be back. Uh, this is a great place and uh, look forward to seeing uh, what you're doing in the future and the different beers and spirits. Yeah. Cheers. 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 <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks again. And you've been listening to The Beer Run here from DCRC Radio.
Hey, it's Ryan here. Welcome back. It's that time of the show where we bring you the latest and greatest in breaking beer news. Well, some of it's not that great, but at least it's great bar talk. So, Carl, what have we got? Well, first up, a study says that beer is better than Tylenol. That's right. In the Journal of Pain from the American Pain Society. <laughs> this is a real thing. Not Yes, not to be confused with Professor Pain. WWE wrestler. Is that real? I don't know, but it should be. I can just see him saying, you're going to be featured in the next Journal of Pain. Uh, anyway, here's the real story. Researchers at Greenwich University in the UK say they discovered strong evidence that alcohol is an effective painkiller. They also concluded the more people drank, the less pain they felt. Is this emotional pain or physical pain? Well... Just as uh, Professor Payne likes to dole out, well, both, but physical. You mean physical. Professor likes to assign <laughs> or prescribe? He likes to prescribe a beat down to his opponent. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, physical pain. But before you turn your medicine cabinet into a beer fridge, they say that the amounts you drink are more than the World Health Organization suggests for low-risk drinking. There are obviously side effects. So it's a vicious cycle. You drink for your pain, you get hungover, you drink some more. Hair of the dog. Exactly. Uh, next up, Minnesota now will soon be to have, I know grammar, Sunday liquor sales. That's right. Uh, this was passed a while ago. It starts Sunday, July 2nd to be exact. Uh, people in Minnesota, the berry pickers, the purple people eaters, whatever you want to call them, will be able to buy... Beer on Sundays. I bet Hudson Liquor Stores fought this tooth and nail. Well, they still have to come here for New Glarus and some of the other awesome beers we've got in the state. Uh, not that we promote casual bootlegging, <laughs> um, but actually this is a really good thing for Wisconsinites, Iowans, the Cotons, whatever. Because I know like, I've gone to the Twin Cities for the weekend, and if I don't get around to buying beer on Saturday, I'm out of luck uh, because... I want to buy, bring back some of that awesome Minnesota beer. I'm in Minnesota. They do a lot of things well, including beer. And I often come home empty-handed, and now I won't have to. I will like this law because, because, because of it, I once accidentally bought 3-2 beer. How was it? It was bad. Okay, next up in brew news, woman allegedly steals beer from delivery truck. So a 20-year-old woman in Chatech. Uh, apparently stole a case of beer off a Budweiser delivery truck 7 a.m. on a Thursday morning. This also happens to be the small town where I work at a newspaper, so obviously it was front page news. <laughs> it was, and I have to admit, you wrote a pretty great headline, Pilford Pilsner. Mm -hmm. The case of the stolen beer was my other headline. It didn't fit. <laughs> case of the stolen case, I would have said, but anyway... So, did the cops crack the case of stolen beer? Yes, there were three witnesses. <laughs> she apparently took it off the truck as the driver was making the delivery. It was a 24-pack of cores, so maybe she was hosting a banquet of some sort. Oh, man, that's like high-risk, low-reward behavior right there. I mean, I would not... <laughs> I would have at least made sure I stole either a lot or, like, a good case of beer. Okay, she isn't old enough for the bar, but did she end up behind bars? She might have if she hadn't met with the cops and get a $124 municipal ticket. It would have had been a misdemeanor if she hadn't, but uh, luckily she did meet with cops, though they did tow her car because it was parked <laughs> for more than two hours in a two-hour parking spot. So a $15 ticket plus a $124 retail theft ticket is $139, all for a $17 case of beer. That's right. Well, moving right along before we get a parking ticket, uh, we've got an interview with Agonic Brewing, a new startup brewery in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. That's right in our neck of the woods, and we'll be checking in with them uh, as often as we, as we can as they progress uh, through their brewing journey of becoming a full-fledged brewery. That's right, and after talking with him, I'll be talking with one of the creators of the Beer Map. If you don't know what that is, well, we'll talk about it, and it's pretty cool. 
It's here on the Beer Run from DCRC Radio. I live in a sad place, sometimes a bad place. Never been a glad place for you. I put the radio in my bed, so I'm not talking in my head. Never heard a single word from you. Uh, we're back here on the Beer Run. I'm Ryan Urban with Carl Cooley, and we have a couple special guests with us. Uh, we've got uh, Noah Marock and Josh Roski. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. A little tired. A little tired. Real, I was driving all day today. So. Okay. And uh, we're talking to these guys because they are trying to do a pretty cool thing, uh, which is open a brewery. Right in our own backyard. Right in our own backyard in uh, the beer desert of Barron County, Wisconsin. You know, Noah, tell us the name. Tell us what you're all about. All right, so uh, we're Agonic Brewing Company. Um, and that name comes from uh, the, the term Degonic Line. Uh, so those of you that are familiar with orientation or um, uh, aviation, uh, that's when True North and Magnetic North uh, have zero degrees of declination, meaning you're going, you're going true, you're going north, and that's uh, kind of the idea that we want to have behind our beers. Um, we want to stay true to the beer styles, and we want to stay true to the spirit of craft beer. That's and being northern Wisconsin helps too, the true north. So are you like an engineer or something? I am. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a mechanical engineer uh, okay. right now. That's my day job. Okay, cool. Um, so by Staying true to the styles, uh, are you talking about like the BJCP guidelines for? That is correct. Yeah. So, uh, okay. um, you know, people are familiar with brown ales, cream ales, IPAs, pale ales. But what a lot of people are unfamiliar with is, you know, right now they just changed the IPA category, and now there's, I think there's seven or eight different subcategories to being an IPA, um, and I think there's something fun about that. Um, that I can bring to the community, um, to beer education, really, uh, in this area. Very cool. So I, I saw on your uh, Facebook feed that you posted some pictures of yeast swirling in a in a vial, and uh, so, so you, you've got some some pilot beers going anyway. Um, can you tell us about those? What you're working on? Yeah. Uh, so my favorite beers um, right now, um, English ales. American ales, uh, German ales. Uh, the equipment I currently have, it's really tough for me to, to put out lagers. Uh, but that is going to be a goal uh, of mine for Agonic. Uh, we're planning on both a fermentation ale chamber and a, ferment and a lagering chamber. And uh, that's starting to become a more and more popular thing to see is, is lagers. IPAs are an extremely popular style of beer right now but I believe that's also being driven by large metropolitan areas uh, in the West Coast. In this area, huge German influence, people like malt-driven beers in this area. Not as much hot bitterness, easy drinking beers. Well, you, you kind of pegged me. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a, a stout porter kind of guy, and I love lagers. Uh, I, think I think they're great, and hops are cool and all, but... Sometimes yeah, IPAs are just a little too much for me. Every once in a while, I like a good IPA, but uh, I just can't drink them every day. Right, that's, yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's my palate, and everybody has their own. So. You know, so talking about beer education, uh, you know, what, what do you think is a good way to educate people on craft beer, and, you know, why is this different than your light lager? Well, the best way to, to uh, educate people, I believe, is, is the experience. The way I've been taught... Um, is through cooking and flavors bring different thoughts or experiences that you had in the past. They know they like the style of beer from a memory that they've conjured, whether it be just this certain brewery, certain certain style by the certain brewery. A lot of them don't know that you can go to a different brewery with the same style. It's going to be different, but it's going to be very similar, and it's probably going to conjure the same emotions. I've been so I've been making beer and kind of giving out to friends and family, um, coworkers. Um, and when they come back to me with, wow, that beer just brought me back to grad school, sitting close to Pikes Peak, just looking out over Colorado. 
that's a good beer. <laughs> and now, honestly, I don't know how much of that was actually the beer was good, but it was, <laughs> no, <I laughs> you, think, know, yeah. you know, the me- that memory coming back of, of just that experience. Yeah, I think beer beer is very experiential, for sure, especially when you're having it in a, a cool place or a, a great bar like the White Stag where we're at right now. And hope to see you guys' beer in here soon. So, Josh Roski, right? Yep. And Morak. You guys are obviously friends. You've known each other for, I'm assuming, quite a while now, right? A couple years. A couple years, yeah. Yeah. Our uh, wives who uh, work together got decided to introduce us so they, they could hang out more. And then, uh, yeah, they're learning their lesson every day now. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be um, brewing beer, and uh, Josh and Tani would come over, and Josh and I would hang out, and pretty soon it was just Josh coming over uh, when I was brewing beer. And <laughs> my uh, my history's restaurant. I've always gone. I've gone to culinary school. I've always worked anywhere from. I've worked fine dining, worked um, banquets, worked quick service, and just it's a natural transition from food flavors to to beer. It's uh, the chemical process of brewing beer is creating a food. So I just it, I naturally was gravitated towards it. Okay, so from that standpoint, what would you like to see um, from the front end? How do you see uh, your service uh, philosophy? Um, just uh, serve good beer to good people. Um, carry on with the education, our servers, bartenders, whatever we end up calling them. We're going to educate them using the Cicerone's guideline to um, beer servers. So it's kind of their the entryway into becoming a Cicerone, which is the a certified beer expert. So then our servers are going to be beer experts, not as high as a Cicerone, but they'll be able to talk beer all day long if they want to. You should hire Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I may have a podcast, but I'm no, I'm an enthusiast, no expert. Yes, we're not we're not experts, <laughs> we're enthusiasts. All yes. right, and uh, we hope to have you guys back on the show again soon. So. Uh, Try to keep everyone updated and uh, hope, hope to have some more news to share soon. Well, Josh, Noah, thanks for joining us here on the beer run. No Cheers. Problem. Cheers. <laughs> and we'll be back after this break on the beer run from DCRC Radio. back to the beer run. Carl Cooley here in the studio, and today I'm joined with uh, Jesse Darley. Uh, he's been making beer cap maps with his uh, friend Steve Latham, is that right? That's right. Uh, since 2014, and uh, since getting noticed on the likes of BuzzFeed, Playboy, as well as TV stations and newspapers, they've uh, become quite popular. But uh, Jesse's joining us on the phone today and going to talk about uh, their beer cap maps. So, Thanks for uh, joining us today, Jesse. Thanks, Carl. I'm glad to be able to be on this great podcast and uh, talk about something other than actually beer. (laughs) We sure do like talking about beer, though. (laughs) (laughs) I love talking about beer. I love drinking beer, too. So So tell me, uh, how did you guys come up with this uh, cool idea? So the real inspiration was uh, a way to display my son's bottle cap collection. And he was uh, collecting caps when we would go to cookouts and, and backyard barbecues. He uh, loved the little designs on them. And, and my wife gave him a Ziploc bag, and I said, I think I can do better than that. And I have a laser cutter at my work, and I thought, uh, what could I do to hold these caps in a, in a piece of wood and came up with a shape of a Wisconsin can hold about 50 to 80 of his caps and uh, made him one, brought it back put it on the wall, took a picture and posted it on Facebook, just like you do with everything, every little craft (laughs) project you do. And enough people were excited about it uh, that uh, one of of my buddies, Steve, said, hey, I need one of those for this white elephant gift we have going down um, at my in-laws. I made him a Missouri map to where he was going. And people got excited enough about that that he came back and said, hey, let's make maps. And thought this was a, a good enough idea to try to start a little side business and we got a website going within a couple of days and started 
started selling them right before the holidays in uh, 2014, and and it's been going since then. That's pretty cool. So you guys obviously kind of have a technical engineering background already. So something of this nature, making something, designing something, was pretty easy for you guys. That's that's right. And we're both mechanical engineers and uh, product developers. Uh, we have day jobs at a product design company, designing anything from medical device to sporting goods. And I guess one of the things that we learned over the course of uh, our careers is, you know, the simpler a product, the better, and nothing really can be simpler than a than a piece of uh, of wood with some holes in it. Um, and even that uh, can can have a variety of issues you have to overcome. And we had to figure out manufacturing and quality control and and uh, everything that would make a good consistent product that people would love yeah and people sure like to show off how much they've drank too (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we love talking to everyone that uh, has our maps you know we keep running into people that say i you know i have rules about what i put in my map i need no repeat taps i need to try to put them uh, where they are geographically on the on the map, mm-hmm. um, and it can be hard for some of the larger states. You know, a hundred a hundred caps. You know, not all breweries are bottling anymore, and not all of them even have designs on their caps. So, can can be a multi year project to fill up your map. <laughs> I suppose. You know, Ryan, my our co host, he's a bottle cap collector. He has them on magnets all over his fridge, and he he tends to pick them up wherever he can find them. I, however, am of the opinion that you know you have to have have to have at least drank a beer to be able to claim that bottle cap. What about uh, what about you, Jesse? What's your opinion on that? <laughs> I think I think it's whatever whatever you want. Um, I have to admit, with all of the different states and photography we need to do, um, I've gotten I've gotten caps from fans. I've gotten caps from restaurants. Some of mine I haven't uh, haven't drunk, but I definitely for our you know, Wisconsin and, and maybe Michigan maps, I try to really enjoy those beers before I pop them into the map. Mm-hmm. So both you and, and Steve are uh, bottle clap collectors now as well, I suppose. I never thought I would. I, I've always enjoyed having, you know, maybe a mason jar in my uh, in my kitchen to keep a few, and I never thought I would have now basically garbage bags full in my basement <laughs> <laughs> to to keep this habit going, and uh, that's what we have now. I think my wife is saying we need, might need to pare down on the numbers pretty soon. <laughs> so what's your uh, favorite uh, beer cap, then? you have uh, one in particular? I really am uh, completely in love with what Bells is doing lately with uh, customizing every beer uh, with a different cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, very simple designs. I don't know if you've seen some of the, you know, they've redone, uh, like their Two-Hearted is now a, uh, rainbow trout. I love that one. Of just the words. Yep. Yeah, it's a beautiful one, and um, um, and the, they've got the daisy and and just some some amazing ones. So I think I would have to say, uh, in general, uh, those have been those are my latest favorite caps. There's a couple European caps, um, one with a gnome uh, on it, and I'm blanking on the name of the beer that I absolutely love. Um, so I, actually. I think the U.S. does a little bit better with their caps, but there's a few a few over in Belgium and Germany that, that do a good job. So uh, to date now, I guess, how many different maps, uh, cap maps, do you guys have? Our designs, we have all 50 states, and uh, so you can get uh, any, any one of your state shapes. We have about 10 countries, uh, include mostly, mostly some of the best uh, beer-drinking countries around the world. We have a pretty cool world map that's printed the sort of topography of the world and all the caps fit into the uh, where the oceans would be mm-hmm. probably the uh, coolest thing we've done lately is create a puzzle uh, united states map so a 48 piece map of the continental u.s all sized appropriately so it fits together on your wall oh wow um, so in general all of our state maps are about the same size you know with the puzzle map as you can imagine texas holds a lot of caps and, and unfortunately Rhode Island doesn't even isn't even big enough in the puzzle map to hold a single cap so but it's it, it's pretty impressive about eight feet across uh, when you get all fifth all 48 states put together oh wow so um on average about how many uh, how many caps does your average state hold I mean obviously you're probably making blowing up Rhode Island kind of big to to fit more caps how many caps do they hold? Yeah, so so it'd be somewhere between sixty and one hundred and twenty. 
Mm-hmm. Um, really, it depends. So they're all about the same in one dimension, you know, about 25 inches across. And so you can imagine like Tennessee is a long, skinny state, so it doesn't hold as many caps as Utah, which is, you know, big, big square state. So that yeah. that's what sort of determines the number of caps. Uh, so what did you do for Hawaii and Michigan? I mean, they're two different, they have lots of little parts of the state. <laughs> hey, your, your mind's working. I like it. Uh, Hawaii is, is our little bit of an, uh, an anomaly. We have a large square and the islands are actually cut out. And just like our world map, the, the caps go into the ocean. Uh-huh. We just thought it was appropriate since, you know, Hawaii obviously is a bunch of little pieces and it um, has so much identity with the ocean. And it looks really cool. It's just a, a different looking map. Mm-hmm. Michigan, uh, with the upper peninsula and the lower peninsula, uh, they're both big and and you can buy them individually or together as a set. Okay, cool. I'm imagining Hawaii and an ocean of beer. And yes, that, that must be a beautiful thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so where can uh, people find your uh, beer cap maps? And for, uh, on average, about how much are they? Sure. So the best place to find them is online at our website, beercapmaps.com. And you can also, on that site, go to our uh, retail page and find out if there's a store near you that's carrying them. There's a bunch of stores across the United States. And and you also go to our Facebook and Instagram pages for contests and, and coupons, coupon codes. So it's just beer cap maps, one word uh, for both the Instagram and Facebook handles. So all, all of, almost all of our state maps are thirty nine bucks, and our, our one of our biggest sellers is the continental U.S. Just a single piece, not the large puzzle map, and that's about three feet across, about twice as big as state map, and that's seventy five dollars. Mm-hmm. We also those are the wooden maps. We do make a few states in the U.S. out of corrugated steel, which is a pretty cool look for little bit of an industrial look and you can also put hang those out outside and those are just a little bit more expensive than the than the wooden maps and so with those the uh the caps kind of sit in the ridges of the corrugated metal is that right i think i've seen them it's a little yeah a little bit different way of holding the caps so the wooden maps if you can picture it is a just a, a hole cut out with a couple little tabs to snug up the caps because the shape of the caps you have to pop those in from the back Mm-hmm. And for the metal maps, you sort of fit in the groove of the metal and you snap them in from the front. Uh-huh. Uh, so a little more convenient just because you can leave your map uh, up on the wall while you're popping those caps in and out. Well, cool. So do you have any other uh, new maps coming up, uh, any more countries or any other uh, designs uh, uh, in the works? So we we always uh, look to look to add countries. We don't have anything coming up immediately. One one thing we product we keep uh, adding to is our crown hole game, which is a, a game that you play on the desktop, sort of like cornhole or quarters. And we have a couple cool designs for Father's Day uh, coming up here shortly. And uh, you know people are getting getting excited about you know playing that game, uh, just linking that in with the the cap theme. Alrighty. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add? Um, anything I might have missed or? Yeah, I just, I just think, uh, you know, it's been a real amazing journey for us, you know, in the Madison area and in, in Wisconsin, getting to know the brewers and, and getting to go around to beer festivals and see how excited people are about these little, uh, um, little pieces of art that come on these bottle caps, uh, just like your partner collects them, there's more collectors than um, than we could have ever imagined. And you know, each person being able to sort of customize this piece of art on their wall uh, with either their favorite beers or you know, coming up with a color theme for the for the maps. It's really one of the pleasures of having having some uh, something that you can customize. Do you guys have like an Instagram or anything where people can post their photos of their beer cap maps and stuff like that? For sure, uh, you uh, Instagram dot com slash beer cap maps you can see lots of fan photos and photos that we take uh if you do submit your photos we we every month or so select a favorite fan photo and they uh get a, a map of their choice oh cool uh, if they're selected so you you get and the and our web page also has a gallery with some ideas of how to customize your maps and really cool looking maps uh also do you guys do any sort of custom work say like a 
you know, a brewery comes along like and says like, "Hey, we have our logo. Can you do a beer cap map out of it? Do you ever do that?" We do. We've done a, we've done a few custom maps. One of them recently that we're pretty excited about is Devil's Backbone Brewery in Virginia has a custom map and you can buy that on their website. Uh, and last year's Madison Craft Beer Week, we did a special edition Wisconsin map. Um, and for for those that don't know much about Madison, it's basically a downtown built between two lakes. Uh, technical term is an isthmus. And so we took the isthmus and, and put that, laser etched that across, diagonally across the map um, with, with the capital right in the center of it. So it's a, a pretty cool looking map for, for that Craft Beer Week event. Going around different bars and restaurants in Madison, you can see those those maps up on their wall. Well, that's pretty neat. Thanks again for joining us here today, Jesse. It's uh, been quite the pleasure, and you guys have uh, literally put yourself and many beers around the world on the map. So uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we're going to be taking a break here, and uh, we'll be back with uh, more on the beer run from DCRC Radio. Thanks again. Bye-bye. More than I want to suppose More than I want to complain This is Ryan back here on the Beer Run. Carl and I would like to thank Jesse Darley for joining us on the show and talking about beer cap maps. They're awesome. Indeed they are, but I should mention there are imposters afoot. That's right. Authentic beer cap maps can be identified by the words design concepts stamped in small letters on the front. Anything else? It's a copycat. It's fake. It's not real. That's good to know, Carl. Yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, wrap up this beer review. Mm-hmm. We have Leinenkugel's 150th anniversary lager, brewed in collaboration with the Hofbrauhaus München. Yep. What do you think, Carl? <sighs> I don't know what to think. And that's because I'm kind of confused by this beer. Here's why. It's definitely traditional Marzen kind of style Bavarian German lager, but it has American hops. And my taste buds don't know what to make of it. I, I get what they're trying to do. They're blending the old style with the new but it's confusing. Right. I think the concept is appropriate, this combination of the German brewing heritage with, you know, a super sexy American hop thrown in. Mosaic is amazing. I don't know if it's amazing in this beer. It's trying to be two things at once. It doesn't really have an identity to me. It's schizophrenic. Right. We've we've been confused since we started drinking it, though we have been drinking it and... It's great. It's, it's sessionable. It's going down pretty easy. Yeah, right. I want to love it so much. I want to scream from the rooftops, I love this beer, but it's just kind of like, I don't know what it is, and it confuses me. What does that mean for a rating out of a glass growler case or keg, keg being the highest, what do you give it, Carl? Growler. Growler. Yep. Solid growler. Okay. Yep, just because it's it's flavorful, and I like that. It's something different, and you know that when you walk into a podunk Wisconsin bar and they have, you know, Miller and Budweiser, and then they actually have Lineys on tap. You can be like, I'll take that because it has flavor. That's true. But it's also confusing. Right. I kind of wondered, like, yeah, if I had a second glass, maybe I'd like a little bit different, but I don't have to have that second glass. I'm going to give it a single glass as a rating. Ooh. Um, yeah, I tried it. It's okay. I don't really need to have it again. I'd much rather just have an old-fashioned Lineys Red. Um, which they're bringing back. Which they're bringing back. And was the first beer you ever reviewed. That's true, for the beer run. And uh, that's, uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's a classic. It's won medals. I don't know if this will win any medals, to be honest, but it's, hey, an, it's kind it, of a cool thing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool thing. So with that, I think that's a wrap. Yeah, that's a wrap. Check us out for episode nine. Uh, should be a great episode. We've got an interview with some of our all-time favorite brewers Ann and Randy Lee from Valkyrie Brewing Company. Plus, we'll have another review, brew news, and more. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to The Beer Run wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Check out beerrunpodcast.com. I'll do a blog recap of this episode with links to the brew news articles, including the Pilford Pilsner. 
case of the stolen case and a bunch of other fun stuff like that <laughs> some reviews um and yeah that's a wrap thanks for listening this has been the beer run from dcrc radio cheers been listening to the beer run from dcrc dirty chai record company with host ryan urban producer carl cooley executive producer ryan quinn music on this episode includes andy nelson general be on the whiz the larks lake avenue and wolves at the door find us online at beerrun.com this has been the beer run i smell parts and i like it from dcrc radio (laughs) 